We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is produced, the Wajak Noongar people, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. So hi Courtney, welcome to another episode. Hi Craig, how are you going? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Um, so we're just talking after, we've just had a chat with Amanda Gauss from Midlass in Midland. Yeah, and I originally, I didn't know how this was going to fit into the, the meaning of health and the stuff that we talk about, but um, essentially we talk about financial problems and um, what uh, their services are and yep. um, some different stories as well about um, people that Amanda has had to deal with. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's very, very interesting. And yeah, as, as you'll hear, there is a lot of people who come seeking their assistance who have some sort of a health issue or a social issue, which mm-hmm. is you know, also probably like a financial health issue or yeah. that sort of thing, like housing problems or whatnot. Um, and we'll let Amanda tell listeners a bit more about what they do and how they help people. Yep, so enjoy listening. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thanks, Craig. It's great. Thanks, great Courtney, for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great that you could join us. Yeah. Um, it might not become immediately obvious why we've got you on this podcast because we're generally a health podcast. Yeah. And i got to admit, like, I didn't know 100% the link at the start either, but slowly learning. <laughs> yeah, but I think w- what the sort of work you do does really tie into health quite heavily and that'll become obvious once we start chatting about the services that you guys provide and yeah. the people you work with. Yeah. So I just want to give listeners a bit of a, a background about Midlass and your work. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so... <laughs> Sorry. Is that the intro? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it is. Yeah, okay, that shouldn't happen again. Excellent. <laughs> um, so, listen, Midlas has been around for 30 years now, just a little bit over 30 years in the not-for-profit space, and we started off just offering financial counselling, mm-hmm. and it's grown to what it is today. So many different kinds of services. So not only financial counselling, but we offer um, tenancy advocacy support as well. We offer um, legal support as well, so a bunch yeah. of really good well, qualified solicitors, of yeah. course, as well on board. We offer a good disability advocacy team. Mm-hmm. As well, so those lovely ladies delve in the NDIS space, which, if you know anything about that, is really complex. So bless them yeah. <laughs> for, doing, yeah. for doing that. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, as I mentioned, I do the financial counselling, financial wellbeing work as yeah. well. So um, I'm just quickly thinking, making sure I haven't missed any of our services because okay. that would be pretty. Um, I would imagine <laughs> if yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, we've also taken on a bunch of students as well. So those students oh, cool. who are studying, like their cert for. In community services, we take them on for PRAC. Um, a number of those um, students also, for example, at UWA who are studying law, mm-hmm. we bring them in to do some PRAC in here and volunteer as yep. well. So, yeah, so that covers us all off pretty oh, very much. Good. <laughs> and what was your pathway into this? Because I know you've had a previous career and, and I, don't, you, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you want to tell people how long you've been here for and then maybe what you were doing before this. Yeah, no, great. So I joined Midless in February this year. Okay. With COVID, it seems a lot longer. But yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So February, I joined Midlass yep. um, in the position I'm in at the moment. But prior to that, I was at, they were known as Uniting Care West. They're uh-huh. now Uniting WA. So really large, not-for-profit. And I 
was with them for just on 12 months. So really I've been in the sector for 18 to 20 months Mm -hmm. now. And just as you mentioned, Craig, I'd come from the world of corporate banking and finance to jump into not-for-profit, which is chalk and cheese. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, okay. And what was your um, motivation for changing careers? Sure. So um, I think, uh, where are we? About three and a half, how much, three and a half? Almost three and a half years ago, um, we lost my brother really, really tragically. So maybe this is a slight pull into the health space Mm -hmm. that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. So um, my brother took his own life back in the April of 2017 and it was on Good Friday. Okay. So... We don't call it Good Friday anymore. My dad calls no. it first word of something else, which I won't mention <laughs> in this forum. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So that happened. That was devastating. That changed our world completely. And um, I and my husband both took a step back from the world that we were in. So he was in banking finance world as well. And we both thought there's just more to life than what we're doing. Life's mm-hmm. too short. Um in the corporate sector, uh, there's a lot. A lot is expected of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're expected to pull 60, 70-hour weeks. Oh, gosh. And, as, <laughs> and yeah. as much as it pays very well, yeah. um, you know, there's got to be a balance as well. Yeah. So I just thought I want to help people in some way, shape or form, and I didn't know how I wanted to do that. I just know I wanted to help people. So... Not long after I lost my brother, I was then made redundant. <laughs> so that, okay, timing, yeah, exactly. I guess. <laughs> so then you sort of think, yeah. what else mm. is going to happen this year to slap me across the face? Mm. Um, then I got drawn back into the banking sector because I've got a network there. And then, um, funnily enough, one day as I got home from work and I was literally lying on the bed, just taking a few deep breaths, and I jumped onto Seek on my phone and this job came up, the one that I was talking about at Uniting. Mm-hmm. And I just went, that is me. I read the description and I just thought I can do that. That is me. And mm-hmm. that is helping people. That's in this thing called not-for-profit. Don't know what that is exactly, but, you know, mm-hmm. let's let's give it a burl. And literally applied, interviewed, and within a week yep. I was starting. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. with that job, <laughs> what kind of stuff did you do in, in that company, in that not-for-profit? Uh, with uniting, yeah. So we've got, yeah. No, great question. So um, my primary role is to do community education. Mm-hmm. So to go out into the community, into different groups, and to deliver um, any kind of training or workshops or sessions that they want. I always say anything to do with finance and money related. So budgets, for example. Um, I like to chat. I'm really passionate to talk to young women in particular about superannuation and their rights with that. Um, young people and how to read a payslip. So it's <laughs> really quite varied. That was definitely a learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> and even to the point of, you know, I can't assist people in putting in tax returns. Um, I don't have the qualification for that, but it's just talking young people through, you know, that MyGov process as well. Mm-hmm. So so that's what I was doing four days a week and the other one day a week I wore a slightly different hat where I would do financial counselling. So the the wellbeing part, so I'm a financial wellbeing worker, so that's running all this great community ed stuff and I sort of say that's at the front end. So you want to educate people because you mm-hmm. don't want them to make mistakes and go into hardship and then you've got financial counselling at the other end of the spectrum where you're seeing people in dire hardship, mm-hmm. you know, for many different reasons. They've lost their job, their partner perhaps is 
become incredibly ill and they can't work, so they've resigned. Um, so that's all about a really strong advocacy piece where you're speaking to someone, finding out their deepest, darkest secrets yeah. sometimes around money, and you're trying to find a pathway for them out of those problems. And it's not always pathways that people want to hear you know especially when you're going down the bankruptcy path or the selling of their home path but you've got to offer them pathways um, to that and like I mentioned a big part of that is advocacy so you might get some people who six to 12 months have just not opened up any mail have been ignoring phone calls so the big part of that is what's their biggest problem? Let me pick up the phone as the financial yeah. counsellor. Let me make that first phone call. Let me make an inroad. And then it's all about then, you know, giving um, a hand up to the client to say, okay, I've called bank A, I've dealt with that. Now I want you to call bank B or I want you to call Synergy or whatever the case may be and just yeah. to, to help them with that. So, yeah. So already there, it's obvious that these are people who have kind of primarily a health problem and it's probably a psychological health problem at yes. this point. Yes. If they're not picking up their phone and they're ignoring mail and all that sort of stuff, yep. it's maybe they can see obstacles that are too big for them in their head to, yep. to get over. Absolutely. Um, so in a sense, I guess you are providing a bit of a health service in a way, um, but, yeah, what, how do you see yourself? And do, <laughs> and do you work with other health professionals, you know, to help them kind of take care of that side of things as well? Yeah, it, we do, we do, Craig. So as much as, yeah, okay, we don't necessarily have um, like a mental health counsellor or a psychologist working on premises, we all know the relevant pathways within the Midland area um, and the greater Midland area or the greater Perth area, I should say, to refer someone to. And you're right, even though I sit there and you say, well, Amanda, you're a financial well-being worker, you're a financial counsellor, so you're dealing with their money issues, and yeah, I am. But I would have to say 99% of those people do come in with some, some form of mental health distress, mm -hmm. whether it's mm -hmm. severe d depression, anxiety, or, you know, they're just generally worried, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the key pathway for us is also, you know, how, how can we best assist them? But what other supports can we provide them to wrap around them as well so there's no good in plugging the hole in their credit card <laughs> and getting that sorted and then going out with some mm. kind of mental health disposition or perhaps an undiagnosed um, problem that they have mm -hmm. so it's really important to understand what is their referral pathway who who, who best can assist them um, and especially when you're dealing a lot with women at the moment who have gone through or are going through family domestic violence as well. So it's understanding that they're going through trauma mm -hmm. and that they obviously need a referral pathway for counselling, etc. And yeah. do you think um, in terms of the people that you'd see, do you think it's they have like a potential health problem that can lead to financial uh, hardship <laughs> or is it the other way around? So they end up in financial <laughs> hardship and then they end up with like health problems which way do you yeah. see more i guess um, that's a really great question so um a great example might be um someone who is drug dependent or has another dependency issue so for them yeah it may start out with drug dependency um and from there, that addiction can lead to a spiralling of... It's a bit like gambling. So mm -hmm. then um, they're spending most of their money on their addiction and now they're falling behind their mortgage or their rent and then everything else usually goes along with that. As a result, and depending upon what kind of addiction they have, that can lead to mental health issues, mm -hmm. as we know anyway. Yeah. 
or it may obviously lead to a path of mental health because they're just so anxious and depressed about the state of their financial affairs as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Whereas I suppose if you look at it from a slightly different perspective where maybe um, husband and wife together, wife has come down with stage four cancer of some description, hubby's tried his best to be the carer and has eventually decided I've got to resign because, you know, I can't do everything I need to Mm. do with you. Um, so what you might find there from a carer's perspective is they he um, his mental health is fine, he feels he's fine and everything's going along really, really well and perhaps she's got all the supports, mm-hmm. you know, because it might be breast cancer. She's obviously got a team of people surrounding her and we find with carers they don't know where that support is or sometimes there may not be the kind of support that's required. So then by the time they come and see me, um, it may be an undiagnosed mental health and it could just be the anxiety and the depression. Mm-hmm. That's bought. That's bought that on as well. Yeah. So yeah. So we we do, we see a lot of see it. A range, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a range yeah. Of it. So yeah. Absolutely. I guess just to tie it back to kind of a health framework for, you know, in public health, we talk about the different stages of uh, an illness. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like you're getting involved in the prevention of an illness with the education <laughs> that you're doing, yeah. and then you're getting involved in the treatment um, stage. <laughs> and, and it could be yeah. a, it could be at different stages of the treatment stage. It could be primary, uh, secondary, or tertiary, or mm. You know, depending on how bad someone's situation is. Um, so it's really interesting to draw that yeah. parallel. Oh, I never thought of it like that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. You know, sometimes it's just I'm just doing my job. You know, I'm just trying yeah. to do the best I can by that person sitting right in front of me at that point yeah. in time. So, yeah, it's nice to have that spin on yeah. it. And it, might, it must be good to give you that perspective that the stuff you're doing trying to educate people hopefully will end up with less people being at the other end of the the scale you know that have the real serious problems and distress yeah correct and and I think what's really powerful is when I can run community ed with people is if I can share what I'm doing today like for example with you lovely people if I can share Mm -hmm. a case study with them if I can give them a real case scenario Mm -hmm. And say, you know, these are the preventatives that perhaps that person could have taken. You know, not in every case. You know, we don't all foresee that we're going to lose our job Mm -hmm. or that our partner or us, we're going to become critically ill by Mm -hmm. any stretch. But, you know, there are certain things we can do to definitely help prevent that. Yeah. Yeah. And so on that note, what sorts of problems do some of your clients have that come in? Oh, they're varied, Craig. (laughs) What what are some of the most memorable (laughs) ones, I guess? Um... Yeah, so one of the, mo- the most memorable ones that I had recently was um, of it, uh, a gentleman booked in to see me um, and uh, the people who take our bookings, you know, put in a brief story however they can. So it was around child support debt. So male client child support debt. So when they came in, it was him and actually his his wife, so he, um, his second wife who's mm-hmm. been married to her for a very long time. And... So it was really interesting. So when they turn up and it's his debt and he basically says, listen, you know, she'll be dealing with all of that today. You know, I'm just going to sit here like a fly on the wall. (laughs) I go, okay. So then it's a bit my educator piece going, it's really important for you, Mr. Smith, to understand that, you know, (laughs) to be educated around your finances, blah, 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 blah. So um, obviously the the story there was... um, child support debt this is a gentleman in his early to mid 60s right. the debt's gonna outsee him mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest yep. mm-hmm. um and the debt owing was it the principal debt so the statement i've got in front of me 
is far greater than what the principal debt was. And, it, and it's been so long, in fact, the client couldn't even tell me what mm-hmm. the principal debt was. So, right. so you're talking about the interest, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. All the, and the fees. And the fees, yeah. Late, fee, late <laughs> fees, etc. Yeah, and the fees that were being added monthly far outweighed their weekly contribution yep. as well. So, oh you yeah. know, for one step forward, they were going literally five steps backwards. Yeah. Um, Part of the role when you're doing financial counselling is you've got to do what we call a statement of financial position for for the layman's terms. It's mm-hmm. a budget mm-hmm. together, you know, and and that's when everything has to come out. So then there's you know ATO debt along with that, mm-hmm. um, you know, every one of their services, and I'm talking about you know from synergy to water, that's all in arrears as mm-hmm. well. The mortgages in arrears. Um, it, it was sort of just never-ending in that yes. respect. Going. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think what was great for me, the big learning for me is I've never come up against a child support debt before. So we've then got um, really great access to a solicitor who works for our member body. Mm-hmm. So it's me reaching out to him and saying, help, um, what, what can child support do, what they can't do? They're a government agency. So it was then being taught what litigation is what's the litigation process for child support mm. and then contacting the client later on to say they're basically at litigation stage and this is what they can do. What that means in in everyone else's terms and for everyone else's understanding and benefit is that they can go in um, and seize anything, any property that is in the yep. name, in his name because the debt lies with him, it doesn't lie with, with his, his wife. His partner, yeah. His partner, yeah. Yep. So it would be the work vehicle, tools of trade, and the property because the house is in mm-hmm. his name. Okay. Not in her name. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, that's really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So those conversations are always difficult when you're then saying to people, listen, your house is on the line or it could potentially be on the mm-hmm. line. So it's something for them to have a think about. So. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. so, so that raises questions for me about how much you might get involved with the other side, the mm-hmm. people that are owed the money, for example, whether yeah. it's child support or a government agency or a you know provider of some sort. Yeah. How involved do you get in, in dealing with the other side to try and get a resolution for your clients? Yeah, that's a great question. So in this case, I didn't get involved. Um, his partner was intimating, in fact, she asked me outright, could I call their case manager and speak to the case manager about this? Um, and so I shock a few people and think, oh, my gosh. Why I said no. <laughs> yeah. I said no. And the reason for that was uh, there were lots of things said to me in that conversation, but one of the big things I took home was that um, – they can advocate, they can self-advocate because they've pr- they've proven to me that they've been able to self-advocate in the past. So I, I literally gave them a script and gave them options. So I said, no, 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 you can do it. You've already spoken to the case manager. You've mm-hmm. been communicating with them for the last two weeks. So these are your options. Um, and basically all child support want <laughs> is mm. they just want some kind of payment paid to them regularly and on time um and unfortunately due to covid that's why this particular client has missed a number of payments because he's self-employed so he hasn't been able to make the payments and and bless he wasn't someone who was sitting in front of me going and making excuses as to why he shouldn't have to pay it and he genuinely wanted to but just the funds weren't available to do it Mm. so for me to say listen this is what they want if you're able to at least offer them something 
it should stop those phone calls, it should stop those emails, and it should stop those texts. So that's how mm-hmm. often they were being communicated right. to. It was really, really frequent. Yep. And you, as you can appreciate, that builds a level of anxiety in people. And mm. that's when, unfortunately, people go, oh, my gosh, it's all too hard. I'm going to turn off my phone, turn off the emails, and I'm not responding, which then makes a whole – it perpetuates the problem effectively. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so would that be considered an extreme case or is that something that you <laughs> see every day? Um that's one of the extreme that I've yeah. taken. But if I speak to more of my senior financial counsellors, you know, um, they're, they're dealing constantly with, you know, some of our major banks and we're talking, you know, of hundreds of thousands of dollars in home loans and in arrears and trying to negotiate payment plans or debt waivers in our respect or a reduction in fees and, and all of that kind of thing. So I suppose... The amount owed was was pretty shocking to me because sometimes you hear stories, but then to actually see it in black and white, yeah. I went, oh my wow. gosh, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, prior to that, you know, we're seeing um, yeah, just a, a lot of people in home loan arrears. A lot of people have lost jobs due to COVID mm-hmm. at the moment. A lot of people, as a result, on job keeper or job seeker. Mm-hmm. So what we're finding now is that there's another lot of education piece around. You know, do you do you understand the what's happening to JobKeeper and JobSeeker as of first mm. of October, and then reworking someone's budget to fit within that yep. as well? So that's yeah, that's another, and we're expecting another wave of clients. So yep. to just give you a bit of history, um, prior to COVID hitting, not only for Midless but a lot of the other not-for-profits and charities who employ financial counsellors, um, booked out Monday to Friday, right. and people would call and we'd be we'd be telling them two to three weeks to see a financial counsellor and then you'd be giving further names and numbers for those poor people to call to try and get an appointment somewhere. Mm-hmm. COVID hit and all of a sudden we went from being 110 to 20% over capacity in oh, what geez. we were doing, yeah. a reduction down of 90%. Okay. 90, 95%. Wow. Phone stopped ringing. We weren't having any appointments. Um, we were thinking, oh, my gosh, what's happened? And I think the truth of it is that, you know, those people who um, had been working and had lost their job due to COVID, different set of skills and tools in their toolbox. So they were able to advocate. They're able to call the bank and put the payments on hold for six months. They're able to do the same for their credit card. They feel comfortable calling us being the Synergy mm-hmm. and the Water Corporation. And those are some of our clients who perhaps have been on the old new start for a really long period of time and mm-hmm. we would see quite often. All of a sudden, they've got a surplus sitting in their budget. Yeah. So for the first time, a mum's able to buy school shoes for her child. Yeah. She's able to put dinner on the table, like and actually go food shopping. Yeah. So that little bit of extra money has helped that different cohort of clientele that we see, which is why we've seen a reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, this is because the new start or, or job seeker doubled basically didn't yeah it? so yeah. the covid supplements that currently sits at an extra 550 a fortnight so for a lot of people that's 1100 dollars a fortnight yeah. that they're saying and previously so what were they getting about 550 a fortnight yeah. okay. so below poverty line yeah. living yeah. yeah fascinating and yeah. I th- the other thing i think is probably worth noting is that in wa in particular we're a bit of a fly in fly out type state there's a lot of mining jobs and mm-hmm. Just because people are on high incomes doesn't mean they're financially literate here, does it? Correct. And so I imagine if people are losing their jobs in that sector in particular, they might, 
you know, not have the skills or the training to manage their affairs, their financial affairs effectively. I can definitely tell you an example of someone who's not financially literate and my brother will kill me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Um, But because he works uh, in the medical field, um, he's never had to think about it as much and I feel Mm. like he's someone who could use a budget um, and Mm. and definitely benefit from it. So, yeah, there's definitely huge fields where... I think at least budgeting is is needed as a skill. Yeah, so I think your service needs to not be seen in the light of you're just helping people who've never had anything. It's people who... it's everyone. Like, I could use budgeting. Like, oh, oh, I could so use that. (laughs) Yeah. I could not not agree more. No, I could not agree more. Yeah, Yeah, no, I could not agree more. It's so true. And, you know, um, you hear um, and you hear and you read about where it says people live to their means they do. People yeah. live to their means. So if I'm on a, a FIFO income of, you know, six figures plus, I'm going to live to that by all means. And then, unfortunately, the pro- problem occurs. Mm-hmm. We lose that job. Yeah. But we're so used to living up here. And as a result, we've bought all the toys and extras and fixtures to go along with it and usually yeah. accrue the debt <laughs> yeah. to go yeah. along with it as well. Yeah. Um, but, but you're right, Courtney, there... Everyone. Everyone. Everyone needs to understand and not learn how to put a budget together. And it doesn't discriminate from, you know, the GP who earns six figures, some mm-hmm. down to, yeah, that person on, on New Start, the old New Start or Job Seeker. Mm-hmm. And I've got to be perfectly honest, in my short period in this sector doing what I do, um, you obviously go in with a lot of preconceived ideas, mm-hmm. but those people on low, very low income who who genuinely struggle, they are actually really great at budgeting. They um, they know how to make their money stretch better than than I do. Um, they know the right opportunities and where and how to go. For example, grocery shopping and what days and what times Coles or Woolies are going to reduce oh, that okay. meat buy. Yeah, of course. You yeah. know, all those little basic things. And in fact, seniors are very good at that as well. They're very thrifty, yeah. um, which can teach, I think, us, <laughs> me in particular. Oh, me lot. too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> a lot of things. So, yeah, so it sort of goes in swings and roundabouts. But, um, yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm very passionate in this space and I think, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to educate anyone and to sit down with anyone to talk through a budget. Um, and that sounds really nerdy and a lot of people <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> you, you're in the realm of nerdy here. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, great. That's great. Right. But, yeah. yeah, but I think it, it is essential. It's the basis for everything and it's, um, you know, if it can start with our children, then it gives them, you know, a great segue into into adult life to be honest yeah. yeah now you've mentioned that you couldn't get or you chose not to get involved in the the previous case because they had the capacity to to advocate for themselves correct are there any cases where you have gotten involved and, and had either a good or a bad outcome that, that yeah. you remember absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um so it's just before covid hit actually and i had um a woman in to see me and uh, she had just been released from um, St. John of God, actually, um, under their um, mental health area. Mm-hmm. And she came in and saw me and she had, when I say quite a bit of debt, it was sort of little debt sporadic everywhere. And part of that debt being a debt to St. John Ambulance. So, yeah, I, I've got my own personal opinion on St. John <laughs> great service yeah. but yeah compared to Queensland where it's free and yeah right. yeah so um her story was she she had this ambulance bill she had it for many many months 
And the story, what she'd presented to me with was um, she, the police were called to her property um, because she was having a mental episode. So I think the neighbour called the police. The police, as a duty of care, as they call it, in turn called the ambulance. Mm -hmm. And prior to them making that call, she was saying to them, no, 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 don't call, because she knew from past experience that there was going to be a $980 plus charge linked to this. So you need to have ambulance cover in order for that to be covered, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. Which not everyone has. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Ambulance cover Mm -hmm. or covered through your private health, without a doubt. Yeah. So... So as you can appreciate, this is making her more anxious and she was saying to the police, no, 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 just let me walk, just let me walk there. Like, I'll, I'll walk myself to the hospital. Anyway, under their duty of care, they had to call called St John's and as a result she was taken to, to hospital, which ultimately was the right thing to do. And then she's come out of hospital and she's hit with this $980-plus bill and she's saying to me, I don't know how I'm going to pay it and she's at the time was on New Start as well um so 550 dollars a fortnight yes that's Um, a month worth of payment just on one bill exactly she's got a mortgage she lives close she's a local she lives close by part way through my appointment it's she then opens up to reveal that there's some kind of abuse going on in her household and she's not referring to the male perpetrator as a partner Mm -hmm. she keeps on referring to him as a friend okay so then that, of course, triggers something within me to go, okay, there's obviously a lot more going on than what I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So obviously tried to, was trying to work out desperately for her what support she had in place and was she going back to this property? Yes, she was. Well, is the perpetrator there? Well, yes, he is because it's his property as well. It's like the property's in joint name with the two of them. Oh, okay, okay. but they're yep. friends. So, yeah, yeah, but they're friends. Yep. And I'm trying to say to her, are you safe? Are you safe going back there? Can I organise something for you? No, 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 I'll, I'll be fine. Okay. So booked in another appointment a week later for her to come back. And what I had done in the meantime was taken this ambulance bill and just went it's just not right like it's not it's not fair that she have have to pay it when she wasn't the one who made the call Mm -hmm. so speaking to a few senior financial counsellors to get their feel on it and every single one of them that yeah the police department aren't going to pay for it amanda like you can try all you like but they're not going to pay for it blah 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 and i went (laughs) you don't know me (laughs) yeah so i've got a few girlfriends who work in the police force here in wa and i reached out to one in particular via private message via socials and said hey just wondering yeah (laughs) if you guys call an ambulance will you pay and she's like yeah i'm pretty sure i see like our boss the senior sergeant at the station like i'm sure i've seen him pay yeah i'm Mm. sure i'm sure amanda i'm like okay Mm. anyway and then speak to my dad who's a retired officer of 36 (laughs) years and um dad got quite high up in the police force so i'm having this conversation with him i'm going dad did would would the police pay for it? And he's like, oh, absolutely. He goes, I used to sign off on those things all the time. Right. I'm, I'm mm. like, great. So I sent, I did, yeah. So trying to call the local station was near iron to impossible. Um, so I put through like an, a generic email off the WA, of Waypole's website. Mm-hmm. 
got no response back. So then I put it through as a complaint and suddenly I get a response. And then I get a call from some lovely female officer here in Midland and she's like, oh, Amanda, I'm just, you know, calling in regards to blah, blah. And I went, okay, yep. Yeah. Mm? And she's like, just wanted to let you know we're paying for it. And the first words out of my mouth were, well, of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, did you want to thank yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's not me. Yeah. Um, so that was a great bit of advocacy work yeah. and that took... Unfortunately, because my first email response not being addressed at all mm-hmm. and I deliberately let that go for a week because I just thought, starting to get COVID, it's busy, mm-hmm. there's other stuff going of on, I, I'm probably on the priority list. So that took two weeks to resolve and I remember in the meantime trying to keep in contact with St John's because I didn't want the invoice to go into collections and yep. then be outsourced. I was really aware of that and I didn't want them hassling the client either and when I eventually got hold of St John's to say listen just want to let you know Wavehole are paying for it I, I could almost hear the person on the other end falling <laughs> like, oh, really? Really? Okay. I'm like yep, yep. <laughs> oh, okay no worries so they're not used to that happening no well that particular person right. didn't didn't yeah she was mm. really surprised okay. so I just went well there you go and then got back to the client and she was very relieved but at the same time was like I told you, I told you, Amanda, I told you that they should have paid. Yeah. I said, I know, I know. Yeah. And you were yeah. right and we've, we've got that sorted. So I was strong on that advocacy for, for many reasons. So let's go about, about the health, for example. So quite acute mental health. Mm-hmm. She disclosed that. She disclosed she was on medication. I knew she'd just come out of the mental health ward because when she saw me the first time, she still had the hospital band mm-hmm. on her wrist as well. Um, you know, the mention of family domestic violence going on, even though she wouldn't refer to it as that. So I was just referring it to, well, they're abusing you in X, Y, and Z kind of ways mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was a lot of health stuff going on with this particular yeah. client as well. So it was just, it was nice to be able to advocate and to give something back and just to hear the relief in her voice over the phone when I was able to do that as well. And what reaction did you get from your senior colleagues who told you that it would never yeah. happen? Uh, they, they were damn well surprised, <laughs> yeah. I to tell you. One in particular, she's just like, man, really? I'm like, yeah. She's like, good for you, girl. I'm like, yeah. I and know. now that you've done it once, you can do it again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying to them, yeah. like educating my workers around, I got it done, these are the circumstances, mm. and I've spoken to, you know, my dad, I've spoken to my current girlfriend who's in the force, and they all say yes. So it's out there. You yeah. know, they've clearly got funds to be able to do yeah. it, so let's do it. Yeah. But, yeah, but but they were shocked, but, but shocked and surprised but really happy for me that mm. I got a really good outcome for my client at yep. the end of the day okay. as well because as you can appreciate you know if you're on 550 a fortnight and you get a bill for 900 dollars, it would just be you on. need to have savings in order to do anything and a lot of people don't have savings no so. they don't they don't mm. and you can't save when your you, you know your primary expenses like your rent or your mortgage then plus maybe your services and your groceries exceed 550 a fortnight so how do you even begin to paying off debt (laughs) yeah it's yeah neon impossible hi we hope you're enjoying this episode of the meaning of health just a quick reminder that you can email us at meaningofhealth at outlook.com or tweet us at health means what and if you have a minute and you've enjoyed listening to this episode or any of the other episodes it'd be great if you could go and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts it helps other people find us now back to the show. A lot of the work that you do might indirectly impact on people's accommodation because their ability to, to have a have a 
pay the rent or their mortgage or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Have you had many clients that we've had to deal with their, their tenancies or their, their mortgages or anything? Yeah, I had one Friday. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. uh, yeah. So a young man, um, uh, funny enough, I was running a community ed session in our local area on Thursday and um, – we were talking about budgeting in this particular session and, listen, he didn't divulge too much and, you know, and I don't expect people to share their money stories or their personal stories when I'm running a workshop. But afterwards, um, one of the youth support leaders sort of intimated that, you know, this particular young man really needed to, to see me. So we booked in an appointment for him to see me the following day, which was the Friday. <laughs> and when he came in with the support worker and... I go, what's, what's going on? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm in a couple of grand in arrears on my rent. And, um, and it's through a real estate agent, so it's not with Department of Housing or Foundation yeah. Housing. And I'm like, okay, how long has this been going on for? You know, and the, and the reason it's been going on is because he lost his job five to six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And very unfortunate, within a week of that time, he lost his dad <laughs> as right. well. So... If grief and trauma have taught me anything, it, it's literally everything else is too hard and yeah. it's like whatever. Mm. So that's what he did for a couple of weeks. He's just sort of like, oh, I just can't deal with any any of this. And he lives on his own too, so it's not like he's even got a flatmate who could have picked up a little bit of the slack or just reminded him his rent was due. Yeah. So he's sitting here and he's telling me this story and I instantly called downstairs to our one of our tenancy advocates and, um, and I got her up here straight away. She wasn't... She, not not doing anything. She had an appointment on at that time, yeah, late in the yeah. afternoon. So I pulled Jade up, um, and Jay sat there and had very similar, obviously, lining of com- um, conversation with him. And obviously, she understands tenancy rights and supports much better than what I do. So um, as a result, he's coming in today um, to have a, a really good, robust meeting with her. Um, he had applied and we're still waiting for a response to get a, the rent grant, which mm-hmm. the state government made available due to COVID. So he was waiting for hopefully, fingers crossed, approval for that because that would wipe off sort of half the debt for him. And then I was initially bought into it as well because I'd draw a budget up for him to see, well, if Jade's going to advocate on his behalf, which she is, she's going to go to the real estate agent to say, listen, this is what he can afford to pay every fortnight. Um, but Amanda, I need you to do a budget first. And I did a budget and he can't afford anything right. <laughs> per, right, okay. night, per fortnight. Yeah. Right. He's already in deficit. And this is with the COVID supplement yeah. as right. well. Um, so, so Jade, we know that doesn't leave me a lot to work with. No. <laughs> no. No. And I no. said, no, but, but once again, that's a really good, robust conversation between her and our client now, a mutual client, yep. because, it's not for me to sit here and to say to him, listen, I've done your expenditure and you spend X amount here and X amount there and that's horrendous, mm-hmm. you know, like why are you doing that? And um, and I'll pick on this only because this is sometimes probably maybe 70% of clients, mm-hmm. you know, do you smoke? Yes, I do. Great. Got a, got a budget for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I ethically I'm not allowed to judge anyone and mm. I can't tell you to quit and I shouldn't tell you to quit just mm. as you shan't tell me to quit having coffee yeah. every day, right? Yeah. So I just prepped him and Jay to say, it's a conversation you two need to have. Like, is there any further wriggle room in his expenditure? So is he prepared to make any reductions in any area so he can 
well, so Jade can go back to the real estate agent to say, listen, we'll give you an extra so much per week so until much. that debt's actually yeah. paid off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So obviously the lifestyle expenses are causing an issue there. And that and it's interest it's it's great you said that, Craig, because that's exactly what he recognised in himself when he was sitting down with me. He said he goes, Oh Amanda, that session you went through yesterday, if it taught me anything, like when I had my job, I was used to earning so much and getting paid every week at this amount and now all of a sudden I lose my job and I'm on this job seeker and he said and there's a gap there of maybe three to four hundred dollars f- a fortnight mm-hmm. between the two payments. And he said, you know, it's hard. You're used to living up here, and now mm. I've got to live down here. Um, you know, and when you've done things like taken out subscriptions to Foxtel and Netflix and Spotify, it oh, it, it, yeah. it does. It all adds up. And mm. like he said, it was okay at the time because I could afford all of that. That's why I did it. Mm. But now I'm looking at it, going, oh, I can't afford it. So what do I start picking? Yeah. Yeah, and that's where he's at. So, yeah, yeah so his tenancy, long story short, Craig, his tenancy <laughs> is is going to be affected. Um, the real estate agents um, have already warned him come the 1st of October. So the 1st of October is when the rental memoriams come to an end. Yep. So he he's already been forewarned by his uh, property manager that they've literally got that almost first and final sitting letter right. ready to be, and then that will can start the termination of the lease process okay. for him, which right. can't happen at the moment. So no one can be terminated, but yep. he's been warned. It's so he, he is going to be terminated, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. So at least he has that time to make a plan. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what we're saying to him. At least you've you've come in four weeks early and between Jade and I, hopefully we can get something can in place. place. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do you, now, do you have to ever deal with people who are actually without a, a house or that, I guess you'd say homeless. That was going to be my question. Yeah, <laughs> like pe- pe- people who are uh, yeah. either either sleeping rough or in a, in a really unstable living situation where they're maybe couch surfing or living in a car or that sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we've got quite a large cohort in the local area who are, who are homeless and we, we know them by name, we know who they are, we know their situation. Um you know, they'll come in occasionally and just, you know, just want some food because uh, we've got food hamper packs that we can give them, et cetera, et cetera. So um, a lot of the systemic homeless people in our area um, genuinely don't want support, as in they, they they may be already on the tenancy housing list and they're aware of that. So, Or they may not be interested in going on the Department of Housing's list yeah. for, for rental, um, mm. which I think upsets a lot of people when I talk to them about that because they can't understand why wouldn't you want a house? But you've got to remember mm. when you've been homeless for a decade plus and that's all, you know, well, that's all mm. you've known for a really long period of time, mm-hmm. the thought of going into a house can actually seem like more of a hindrance than anything else because yep. all of a sudden you're responsible for water and your power and your gas and paying the rent, whereas... Living on the street, as it's not ideal, but they know what they're dealing with. It's possibly <laughs> right. less complicated in a mm. way. It is. It, yeah. it, it's complex because there's more. Once again, there's more to it than that. There's complex mm. mental health issues involved. Um, there could also be regular health issues involved for these people as well. You know, like diabetes, for example. So. Yeah, there's so much more to it yeah. than, than I, what we know. Sometimes we're just scratching at the at the surface yeah. as well. Uh, um, yeah, I did some work with fifty last fifty homes, yes. evaluating their project, yep. and 
there's a couple of really interesting things. One is that not everyone that gets a house goes and moves into it, which, you know, so that's story, a story I've heard mul- multiple times. Yeah. Not, not everyone, but it happens often enough that it's not unusual. Yeah. And the other thing is that we look at the police stats for, for that cohort to see whether their contact with police changes before and after they've been housed. Right. And one thing we've noticed is that a lot of people actually become victims of crime a lot more after they get a house because they become a target because they've actually got something that they didn't have before yes. and so other people are expecting them to do things for them or oh, feel like they can help themselves to their stuff right. because they're, you've got a house so yeah. I've got nothing, you know, I, you should be giving me this and that. And so that's a really interesting kind of thing that you don't think about and that might be a reason why someone might not want a house. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, on an interesting point, saying that, Craig, um, what we had happen to us late last week as financial counsellors, um, we got sent... So at Midlist, we've got three financial counsellors, including myself. So we all got sent an email along with our CEO as well from another financial counsellor who works in our local area for another not-for-profit. And she emailed us to say um, the name of this particular client. Um, They're looking to access their super again early. Um, So this is a a homeless gentleman (laughs) looking to access a super again early. Um, We believe... There's pressure from local people in the area putting pressure on this man to access his super early because he did it in the last financial year when you're eligible. Um, This gentleman's obviously a drug user, so he spent the $10,000 in a really, really short period of time and it was obviously on drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, And that particular financial counsellor basically trying to say to us, if he comes in asking for a financial counselling appointment, can you please not certainly decline him, we can see him, but don't help him or don't assist with that early release process because history tells us what's going to happen and he's being forced or he's being encouraged, sorry, by people on the street to, right. to go and oh, do that's that. That's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so we know of him. He's in our database. Um, so it's interesting. So we've just, obviously, we just put a little mental note for all ourselves on that, that if he comes in, then... Yeah. Yeah, we're not to have a chat. (laughs) Yeah, you won't enable that. Yeah, no, we won't. We won't enable that. And and you can look at that many ways, right? You can look at that and go, well, what are we to stop it? What are we to say no? Um, But we're also going to look after you know the health of our Mm. clients as well. And we know detriment it can be, and he's getting this external pressure. So that in itself can be some kind of economic abuse as well. And we're not going to. You know, we're, we're not stand for that. We're not going to perpetuate yeah. that kind of behaviour. So and no. Technically, you, you are an organisation as well, so you can choose your clients. Like everyone has that correct potential. That's so. exactly yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, we don't have to say yes just because yeah. <laughs> we can say no. And there's yeah. a bit of a duty of care there towards yeah. that client. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, that they're the words she used yeah. in her email to us, just saying which she believes is a duty of care. We need to say yeah. Thank you, but no thank you. Yeah. Now, I've got to ask you about something. Now, uh, just briefly, I, I met you through my wife. And yes. Who lectures at TAFE and you, you went in and spoke to her class yeah. and she mentioned a story about a man in a mobile home. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You want me to speak about Brian? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll try not to get too emotional. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, Brian. Brian came to our services um, because uh, the, the story before he found us, obviously, was he was sleeping rough in, in his car with his wife. Um, 
you know, and just to let you know, the the age of this lovely couple, you know, they're in their mid-50s, early 60s. So, you know, living rough in their car, living rough because, yes, they did have a rental property that they could stay in, but the son was there. And the son's got many health issues, mental health being a big part of that, um, and obviously being vi- coming out violent that, as well. So for their own personal safety, decided to sleep rough mm-hmm. in their car. Um, both husband and wife had general health issues as well. Um, they would often talk about, you know, what their funerals would like and what they wanted. And I think they both thought that Brian would probably be the first to, to go, um, mainly because of his health concerns, but obviously being being male, sorry, but statistics yeah. tell us. Yeah. <laughs> what a conversation to have. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. So it was always a case of, you know, um, she, was, she would say to him, you know, I'd just love you to be in a suit and, you know, it'd be nice if you could dress up and that's what he wanted as well and, vi- and vice versa, you know, like if he was to pass, what she was to wear and the music and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So sleeping rough, wake up one morning, well, Brian wakes up one morning to, to turn to his wife and she's not waking up mm. and it's soon discovered that she'd passed passed away during overnight. Night. Yeah, during the night, um, which then can imagine for poor Brian being oh, massive overcome. Massive grief, yeah. Massive grief, massive yeah. Tra- trauma. Yeah. yeah. So he stumbles across Midless and into our services and lays down the story and now lays down, you know, you know, the funeral for my wife and obviously I can't afford it. You know, I'm living on the street and I'm living rough. What are we going to do? And Mandy, our beautiful project officer, um, grabbed him with both arms and said, leave it with me and we'll, we'll, we'll sort this out for you. So the first point of call was, well, how do we get, how do we get a suit for, for Brian, because obviously we don't take donations of clothes or anything. So Mandy put it out on socials, um, huge response from people, people from donating to giving to come and meet me at Tony Barlow. <laughs> like it was yeah. a whole range. Um, it ultimately led to a person reaching out to say, hey, I work for this charity and I think it was down in Fremantle um, and we actually... Um, have clothes that we provide for men for, the, for for similar reasons, mainly for getting job ready. But, you know, mm-hmm. we've got suits and we're more than happy to provide a suit to Brian. So we went down Fremantle and picked up that suit and Brian had a suit. Mandy, um, in her life before moving into not-for-profit space, was a florist. So she was able to get in con- her contacts mm-hmm. and put bouquets together for the, the coffin and, and all of that. We are able to get a haul together. Um you know, we quietly suspect that Mandy put in a lot of her own money <laughs> for a lot of yeah. this. Bless her. Okay. Because she's an awesome person. So the good news is that at least, you know, his wife, beautiful wife, had a really lovely ceremony, coffin, flowers, music, mm-hmm. everything, and Brian was there in a lovely mm. suit. Um, the other thing that came out of this is that um, obviously Brian couldn't go back to the car. He just couldn't sleep mm. in the car yeah. because it just too many memories yeah. for him and, and traumatic as well. Mm. So the local homeless um, people on the street supported Brian. They put in their new start allowance together and bought him a truck, like wow. a little <laughs> minivan type wow. thing yeah. that he can now, that he could sleep in. 
by himself. And as a result, Mandy and other our other services, not only here at Midlands but in the local Midland area, have reached out and we're now working with the son with his mental health mm-hmm. um, to try and get that obviously a bit under control as well um, and to reconcile the relationship between father and son so eventually dad can go and maybe live with son so he's off the street as well wow. so and that's such yeah. a, a good story that kind of does relate the the financial and the the mental health and the physical yeah. health all together in one so it really is all um correlated and yeah interacting mm. absolutely yeah. mad yeah. <laughs> yeah i know i know <laughs> yeah. um you can google that story it's on google and i think it was in stm magazine it was okay. in another magazine as well so yeah. for people listening if they want more of the story yeah. then yeah. that was a condensed version it's out there and, and yeah. you guys still have contact with brian i'm assuming yes. yeah yeah we and, do and he's we doing do. okay he's doing okay that's yeah. good yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so kudos there yeah, <laughs> yeah. fantastic yeah. Now, you sort of um, mentioned it a bit earlier about COVID and the impact that had on your services. Has, mm-hmm. has that changed how you guys provide service as well? Absolutely, it has. So prior to COVID, um, we were this face-to-face only driven service um, where, and we still do because we are a legal centre. So we've obviously got particular bits of paperwork that we have to get clients to sign. So it was, you know, print out, hard copy, get you to sign an engagement letter, have to see you now face-to-face, and then there's a series of processes that follow that as well. And then COVID hit and the CEO and the board said, right, you've all got to now go and work from home. And all of us are going, but we don't do face-to-face. So um, it was... Yeah, downloading the, the phone system we use has an app. So it was downloading the app on all our mobile phones okay. so we could link in that way. It was ensuring that we all had laptops or PCs from home, that we could remotely access into the server here and gain access to everything. It was understanding, well, how do we now get them to sign this legal paperwork and stuff? So it was you know, the way around that is do we, we send it prior or we could read it verbally if we needed to over the phone and get a verbal consent and make note of that as well. So, yeah, so we did a good six to seven weeks only over the phone appointments for clients, which were really, really successful. And I think especially those with mental health in particular were extremely grateful because they didn't have to leave their house. And I know I read somewhere that agoraphobia has increased as a result of COVID as well. So, mm. yeah, I can only appreciate how hard it is. Yeah. So flip forward now, and I appreciate, you know, we're under stage four still. But um, as a result, the CEO and the board were great, so flexible in welcoming us not only back into the office, but putting the offer out there to say who would still like to work from home and who would like to do a bit of work from home and a work from office. So I was one of those who took that on board. So two days a week I'm at home and three days I'm in the office. It's slowly changing. I'm doing more in the office than home. Yep. It's only because my cats bother me for food. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's been great. And as a result, we've now made it part and parcel of our service offering where, so I'm in the office today, but if either of you wanted to see me for an appointment today, the choice given downstairs by a bookings officer is you can have it face-to-face, Amanda's in the office, or do you want it over 
over the phone. Yeah. So we're still offering that that choice, which I think is really important for a mm. lot of people as well. So, yeah, we've become really flexible and really adaptable as well. And so do you find your productivity has gone up because of that? You can connect with more people? Yeah, I've got to be really honest. Doing over-the-phone appointments when I was at home, um, I was able to see more we'll see sorry i was able to speak yeah. to more clients in a day mm-hmm. than i was doing face to face yeah yeah okay. and it's interesting people i don't know what it is i don't know i don't know much about the human brain but it's interesting so you've got a phone appointment and the person on the other end knows it's only for 60 minutes and you only tend to be on the phone for 60 minutes but i find with face to face they know they're only here for 60 minutes, but that blows out into 90 minutes mm. and sometimes two hours. And we try not we try not to let that happen. Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting, yeah, how that happens. So, yeah. yeah. So the productivity, I think, was a lot higher working from home. But I think it, looking now and the new way of working, I think we've got a, an even higher level of productivity now, yeah. which yeah. is awesome. And do you think the, the telephone calls are as effective for the client as well? <laughs> Compared to face-to-face? I think it depends on the client, Courtney, yeah, okay. to be honest. So, you know, there are some people who I think who just who just want someone to listen to, a voice at the end of the phone and get a lot out of it. There are others that are more tactile. They like that face-to-face. I know I'm a bit that way. I really like to read body language in a client. I feel like I have a really good understanding of them as well. So... I think that's why I'm slipping back more into being in the mm-hmm. office and having face-to-face yeah. appointments. Um, but, you know, I did have a few people make comment during that lockdown in WA from clients to say, you know, they just they just really appreciated that they didn't have to leave home and they were just able to call and I, I called them for the appointment and, and just how happy they were mm-hmm. with that. And one lady in particular um, who suffers greatly from, from um, depression, she said to me, you know, if you were only offering face-to-face, I just don't know if I could ever get there. I just don't know if I'd ever be able to, to see you because she said there are just some days, Amanda, I'm just lying in bed. But she said, I'm lying in bed today, but at least I've got my phone to mm-hmm. my ear. And I thought, oh, I never never would have thought of that. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. simple, just something sort of simple for me just never would have occurred. It's, yeah, it's kind of like the in health they, they have telehealth, which is on the rise. And it's about removing obstacles, yes. Essentially, because some people are too anxious to go out of the house, mm-hmm. and and also will... meeting new people can be scary, no matter what the situation yeah. is. So definitely appreciate that. Yeah, with the extra yeah. level or, or layer for us is then the complexity of talking about money, right? Mm-hmm. So really, not a lot of people like to talk about money. You know, not a lot of people like to talk about debt. So it, it's that as well encompassing you know people like i know i'm in debt but i don't want to talk about it it's mm. just all yeah. too hard so yeah it's overcoming a lot of mm. barriers and a lot of obstacles i know our ceo was talking about health direct and she's like i want that for midlets how do we make that happen <laughs> you know yeah. and i'm like i'm sure that health direct person was from wa yeah. that person who invented it mm. i'm like reach out to him so i know that's that's a, a little side project it's not going where any moment but i know that's for the future that's mm-hmm. Where we'd love to be and we'd love to people to be able yeah like health direct to go yeah i need financial counseling appointment drop down who's available these financial counselors these days these time and book it yourself and mm-hmm. then choose do you want to come in face to face or do you want it mm-hmm. to be over the phone or 
or we even offered Zoom. I started offering Zoom mm-hmm. as well yeah. for some for mm-hmm. some clients um, and a few took that up as well. Those who could yeah. sort of work out some of the technology. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that can be tricky. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you're still talking to a painting on someone's wall because they don't realise the camera's back yeah. to front. Or, you know. yeah. I know, yeah. You get your Snapchat filter on and you're a cucumber. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we're probably getting towards the end of our, our chat here. One thing I wanted to ask you about is... I don't think we've really seen the start of the impacts of COVID yet. I think it's still to come. Obviously, we've had these artificial kind of assistance in place that yeah. the government has been generous enough to, to put in place, but that's going to roll back as of September, October. Mm-hmm. It's all sort of starting to kind of reverse. Uh-huh. Um, so I think it's probably going to be another 12 months before we really know the impact that it's going to have on certain sectors of the community and in particular people probably who, who are going to need your service. What are you guys expecting? Uh, this is the we call it the calm before the storm, and okay. we're waiting for the tsunami effect to take place, yep. without a doubt. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know that the sometimes that usual cohort of people that we were seeing who were on that lower income, and are now receiving that COVID supplement, so we're not seeing them because in surplus and then we're dealing with those people who have lost their job but have been working and they've got already got the skill set to be able to negotiate and advocate for themselves so we're waiting yes <laughs> for the first of october to come around mm. and maybe the first few weeks in for people to suddenly realize oh now i can't afford that so then an increase in appointments and similar to the cohort who have lost their jobs who have been able to perhaps self-advocate and if they've been dealing with their bank, the bank turn around and going, well, we're not going to extend that repayment holiday anymore. Like as of this date, you are now due for the full payment and this mm-hmm. is how much it is. So we're almost expecting those another, I suppose, new generation of clientele to, to come in. Yeah. Um, we're preparing for that at the moment. Um, so kudos to the McGowan government for giving us $45 million to the financial counselling <laughs> yeah. sector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're in the – I know they're in the process of receiving that money and then giving it between the particular agencies. Um, and Midlist is expecting some funding from that where we'll put on a few more financial counsellors and a traineeship mm-hmm. along with that as well. So there will be more bodies on the ground to deal with yeah. what we're expecting, the, the – the influx and, and does, do any of those funds get earmarked for like emergency assistance in terms of giving people money to help them out of a, a tight situation or is it usually for staffing costs and resources yes yeah. uh, i know a little bit about the funding requirements i'm so sorry that's okay. No, that's okay i know i know for example um it's going to a majority towards uh, FTE, like full-time FTE, yep. financial counselling, and a percentage of that obviously for traineeships on top of that for financial counselling mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I'll be honest, out of that funding, there's not a lot for Well, there's really yeah. none. None is really allocated to admin and all the extra stuff to yeah, go okay. along with it. And from my understanding, I don't think any has been given towards the emergency yeah. relief sector as well. Because I think that often gets covered by Centrelink. They can make emergency payments and whatnot. So Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, we're doing the best we can, but it's 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 one of those things, just got to wait and see. Yeah. And do you think for the people that have benefited and gained those that couple of extra hundred bucks a, a fortnight, um, do you think that could help them in the long run or do you think it's going to go back to the same cycle where they can't save or things like that? Um. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's only going to set them back. Unfortunately, yeah. it's 
you know, in some respects, I think, has it set people up to fail? Like, it, it, it's, it's been fantastic. Yeah, like, but they've now lived at that level correct. and it's hard to mm. go down. Correct. Yeah. And speaking to... I've spoken to a, a lot of people who have received that extra money. So from people on youth allowance, so our young youth, up to our um, those in their 20s and, and people obviously in their 30s and above. And, you know, for the younger cohort... <laughs> It was a case, and especially when they received that first $750 economic stimulus bonus as well, which I get was meant to stimulate the economy, and they did, and they blew it mm. <laughs> on sneakers and tattoos and yep. lots of other stuff <laughs> <laughs> as well. Um, and then a majority with that extra $550, um, a majority actually didn't, if they've got small debt, they didn't pay down debt. They, they used it for Uber Eats, etc. Mm. Um, the older generation, a lot that I've been speaking to, um, they've been able to pay down debt, okay. you know, that the single mums, like I said, have been able to buy winter clothes mm-hmm. for their mm-hmm. kids and that kind of stuff. So they've genuinely been doing, I hate to say it, well, perhaps those who just want to judge the right thing, for yeah. example. Right. But then I look at both sets of um, those clients and think, you know, when that gets reduced on the 1st of October and then it's gone altogether as the 1st of January, mm-hmm. great lead up to Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> now what? Yeah. Now, now, now we're back. Now yeah. we're back to square one. And the, the biggest fear is for those people in this interim period who have accrued extra debt. So mm-hmm. those who perhaps have got a buy now, pay later scheme, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for example, have gone down that path. Mm-hmm. Well, that debt still stays with you as of the 1st of January. It's just now mm-hmm. you've got really no money to pay back that debt with yeah. so we're expecting a, a wave a tsunami like i said and a mm-hmm. wave of, of advocacy having to occur with these buy now pay later schemes as well yeah. have yeah. you guys had any dealings with them and have they been cooperative or um i haven't had a lot personal experience with buy now pay later some of our other financial counselors have depending upon the company mm-hmm. depends upon okay. how easy they are to deal with mm-hmm. um, it's difficult because they f- they fall outside the um, responsible lending, so mm-hmm. National Consumer Credit oh, Protection okay. Act. That only covers um, those institutions who charge interest. Yep. So buy now, pay later. Do not charge interest. They charge you a fee, um, and when you convert those fees usually into a percentage, it's you know five hundred percent. Look at the rabbit yeah. on the bike. Yeah, late, yeah, yeah. Late fees because their business model really is set up to target people who don't have any money correct so they're the so ones they have to pay the fees yeah they're the correct. ones least able to pay it back it's, and it's the millennials credit card let's be honest yeah. right yeah. so the banks um have put out figures recently to show a decline in applications for credit cards but by now pay later schemes you know there are new ones on the market every single day mm-hmm. i didn't realize yeah. you, there was a scheme out there for tattoos for example right. i can't remember what it's called because i don't want to advertise it but yeah. that's just an example like another one coming yeah. on and it's right it is it's targeted for i don't have four hundred dollars in my account now but i in, have 20 but i have 20 and um i'll be honest i actually went through one of those schemes myself and it was purely so i could um i could sit there with the client and go i know exactly what you're talking about mm. so i did the application on my phone and i kid you not it took me like six minutes mm. um didn't do a credit check on me but it gave me the highest limit available for a new client oh, wow. and right. then three months later i got offered almost double the limit yep. again 
as soon as you pay it back. I've, I've, I've bought something oh, on, on it yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, not because I had an issue paying for it no. in the first place, but I was like you curious to see how it worked. Yes. And yeah, within, you know, after I'd paid something back, you know, bought something <laughs> and paid it off in mm-hmm. the, in the time frame you're supposed to, yeah. I all of a sudden got a, a oh, higher limit email through. Yeah. I've, I've avoided all of those schemes because I look yeah. at it and then go, I could, I should just pay it up front. Yeah. If I can't pay it up front, don't, I don't, don't need buy. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so like, it, yeah, I've, I've always avoided them because I just say, mm, don't like it. It's, um, yeah. it. I think it's a real, you're right, Courtney, it's a really easy trap to fall yeah. into. Mm. Um, you know, it's literally an app on on your phone mm. and uh, whether you're shopping online because you shop online, you click on your own oh, use Afterpay, so mm-hmm. you click on that at the checkout mm. and, you know, it links in with the app on your phone all of a sudden it's charged or you, yeah. you walk into the local retailer at your local shopping centre and you literally, ju- they just scan your app on yeah. your phone right. and it's done. Like, yeah. it's, it's just... like a credit card, It basically. is. It's like a credit card. Yeah. It is so yeah. easy I think to use. Also, personally, I think... I probably just have an aversion to a lot of those things because I really struggled getting a credit card as well. Like yeah. the idea of a credit card, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm spending money I don't have. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. But I think it's that whole sometimes in our psyche, and I think it, um, I think more to the point of a credit card, mm. um, you know, tap and go, tap and go, tap and go, accrue, accrue, accrue. Mm. And some part of your psyche is like, oh, but it's not my money. Like, yeah, you know, it's, some, mm. it's not my money. Yeah. No, it's not That's your money. That's future Courtney's yes, problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not current Courtney. Yeah. It's future Courtney. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's the same track with buy now, pay, yeah. pay later. And, you know, without speaking too negatively of that whole system, but if you're savvy and you've, you know, and if your limit is set reasonably at a limit which falls into your budget and you can afford that, then that's great. It's mm. a great way of doing things. But we know, well, I know who it's targeted at. It's targeted for millennial females, right? right. <laughs> right. Who, want, who want those shoes or yeah. that e- skirt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, you know, and just accrue it, pile yeah. it on. So Yeah, interesting. Yes, very interesting. I, I actually heard an interview on the radio the other day with the CEO of one of those companies and mm. their share price had gone from under a dollar to $100 a share or something in the space of three, crazy, four years. Or something. Isn't that crazy? It yeah. was Because what they compare that to, was it? Like higher than the way one of the mining companies were, or the banks, or something yeah. like the yeah. share price for it. Yeah. I, I read that as well. Yeah. And I, part of me was surprised, but part of me wasn't. Just yeah. Because of the line of work I do, I'm like, yeah. yeah fair <laughs> it enough. just goes yeah. to show you the demand there must be for it. Yeah. You know, a huge demand, and I think yeah. even more so with COVID and it restricting us to being able to go out. We're being locked mm. down, mm-hmm. um, so why not? It's there, you know. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And and people people dislike their banks these days. So this is another bank. It's a different type of bank. It doesn't give you grief. It's not really a bank. So therefore, it's better. That's right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. They're a money provider, whereas the bank is a money grabber. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. At the end of the day, they're providing you with credit. That's exactly what they're doing, and and you owe them for that, regardless of how much you spend. So. Yeah, and it Um, sounds like they're going to keep you guys pretty busy over the next mm -hmm. couple of years. I'd say. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, advocacy work, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, which present a whole heap of challenges because, like yeah. I said, because it's not contained within that little nice basket of legislation. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, it just makes our jobs a little bit more, just a little bit more difficult, I yeah. think, in the advocacy part. But yeah, that's yeah. okay. That's but okay. Before we finish up, is there anything else, either, if you wanted to talk about? 
I have no more questions. So. Okay. No, I think no? Um, yeah. I've, I've given a lot of cool. stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank it's you been very, much. very interesting. But, I feel yeah. like I've learnt a lot. Yeah, and I think it would be interesting for us to come back in a year or two if we're still doing the podcast, which hopefully yeah, we are, hopefully. Um, and talk to you and see how, how things have gone, you know, after we've yeah, sort of yeah. predicted the future, see how close our predictions were. I yeah. Would, yeah, no, I'd love that because I'm fascinated to know, yeah, where we're going to sit this time mm. next year because, like mm. I said, we're preparing for the tsunami, we're putting on extra FTE, we've got this great funding from the McGowan government. Mm. Yeah, what is that? How's that sit in 12 months' time? Did Definitely. we need that? Was it as bad as we anticipated? Or perhaps is it going to be 50 times worse yeah. than what we anticipated as well? So. I just don't know. No, yeah. we don't. I know, right? Yeah. Roll of a die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thanks very much for your time yes, today, thank Amanda. thank you. It's been a very, very, very good conversation. Yeah, yeah. it's welcome. been great chatting. Uh, yeah. Thank you yeah. for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Well, I think that was a really good conversation with Amanda. I feel like uh, I've learned some things about budgets and how people deal with money and definitely how everything kind of interacts in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think they're a pretty impressive organisation. Absolutely, the yeah. Sorts. They've got so many things to offer. Yeah. yeah. Like in-house lawyers and people helping with tenancies and yeah. financial advice and... Um, and then at the end there, Amanda showed us the, the little room where they have the supplies. Yeah, they... so they have a whole room that's got some um, food and essential uh, products that people can come in and uh, shop for in quotation marks um, and they get to, to bring some food home with yeah. them. And Yeah, it's, it's a lovely room, yeah. And even a, a vending machine, a free vending machine. Yeah, I didn't I know about that. Impressive, yeah. <laughs> So I wonder if word's got out about that yet. Yeah, not sure, but yeah, I mean, it's empty at the moment, but they do have a free vending machine that you can use to get, like, canned food and, and muesli bars and things like yeah. that. So. Yeah, so many thanks to Amanda for taking the time out of her what's clearly a busy schedule. Very busy. Yeah, yep. and I think it's only going to get busier over the next year or two. Yeah, so thank you for listening as well, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah, thanks very much, Courtney. The Meaning of Health podcast is produced with the support of the School of Population and Global Health and the Education Enhancement Unit at the University of Western Australia. The podcast is produced by Craig Cumming and Courtney Webber with music by Craig Cumming. Mm-hmm.